in first century Jerusalem, you would see a group of disciples or students walking through the streets and among them leading the way their teacher, their rabbi. So valuable was the opportunity to follow the rabbi that you longed to be covered in the dust of his feet. Jesus of Nazareth was walking those ancient streets. Today, Jesus is still calling disciples. Come, follow me, that all who draw near may be covered in dust. Oh, good morning, Rise City Church. How you guys doing? Oh, wow. That road is doing great. I love it. Getting rowdy already. Man, we haven't even opened the Bible yet. This is good. Hey, so we are in a series looking at what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, to be covered in his dust as we follow and live his way. And so we've actually been setting the last four weeks aside to look at the toxic way of the hurried life, how damaging it is when our lives are overwhelmed, when we're overhurried. And so here's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at this idea of living at a purposeful pace. How can we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, in the slow rhythm and the pace of Jesus? In John 10.10, this is what Jesus says. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the way of Jesus. It's abundant life. It's full life. Jesus did not come to convert people to a religion. He came to call followers. And the life that he called them to is a life of abundance. This word abundance in the Greek, it's the word perisos. And what it means is excessive in quantity and superior in quality. So when we think of the full life of Christ, we, what do we think? We think, oh, he came to give us eternal life. Did Jesus come to give, offer eternal life? Absolutely. That, that is 100%. So excessive in quantity, absolutely. But here's what we miss often. That Jesus also came to give superior quality life. And here's what I mean. That following either life in Christ is the best possible life or you are not living the way of Jesus. There's fullness there. See, when he talks about abundant life, he, what he wants is that we would actually experience joy. We would enjoy our everyday lives. This is a practical thing. I'm not saying that it's easy or that there's not hardship. He warned of all those things. But that with through him and living his way that we can actually have joy. That we would live with purpose and meaning. That following Jesus gives a deeper purpose and meaning to the everyday things of life. And also that our relationships would be full. They would be life-giving. They would be healthy in our relationships both with other people and with God. But, but when we look around and we assess the world around us, and even when we assess, look in the mirror and honestly assess our own lives, oftentimes it's not marked by joy. It's marked by feeling overwhelmed, isn't it? We're not even able to enjoy the things that we've, because we're so overwhelmed with what's on our plate. It's not marked by purpose and meaning. Rather, we're stressed out and we're overworked. It's just like more things and more things on our plate. And we don't, even, we don't even have time for healthy relationships because we're overcommitted. 
This is not the abundant life that Jesus came to offer. Am I right? That's not the marks of it. And so, so I, I want to give a, an incredibly practical message today. It's going to sound, I'm going to be honest, it's going to sound underly spiritual. It's going to sound underly spiritual because we, we often, we don't associate the way we manage our time and the way we manage our calendar and the way we look at our priorities as spiritual things. But, but do not disregard this. These are deeply spiritual parts of who we are. We have, we have run ourselves, we have hurried ourselves into spiritual shallowness and disconnected relationships. And that is not the abundant way Amen. of Christ. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I, I, I read this, I was reading this book the other day, and, and, and it talked about this idea of a stress spiral. And I thought this was really helpful. I want you to see this. This is what happens. This is how we get overwhelmed. This is how we get overcommitted and overworked. It starts with we have unfocused time. And what I mean by that is our most important things, our deepest values in life, rather than becoming a priority, um, they, get, they get the leftovers. Am I right? Like, like, like your calling in life, your family, your friendships, they get what is left over after everything else. Because all these, to da- all these daily tasks and to-dos, they keep coming, coming up and they squeeze out the important things. And so we are in a constant state of time famine. Like, oh, if I just had more time, right? You, you ever said that? Oh, man, if I just had more time today, I would be so... Man, if, if we just had a 48-hour day, I would, be so, I would be so accomplished, right? Let me just say this, okay? Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa... Elon Musk and Kristen Friend all have the same amount of time in the day as you do, right? They don't have more time, right? So but the key here, our problem is not a lack of time. Our problem is a lack of purpose and focus. So, so we have unfocused time, and then we have what I would call hijacked priorities. What are hijacked priorities? When somebody else's purpose and calling, they put it on you. They place it on you. You allow other people to, to, to determine what you get done. Now, l- listen, I, I just need you to acknowledge every text message, every phone call, every knock on your door, every time somebody else is asking for things, it's somebody trying to move their priorities of their life onto your to-do list. Like, that's what it is. And so we allow these things to take place. Nobody is ever coming to you to helping making sure you're accomplishing your top priorities. Like, hey, you know, just a phone call. Oh, what are you calling for? I just want to make sure you're living with depth and meaning today. Like, no, that's not what they're calling. They're like, hey, I'm stressed and overwhelmed, and I neglected something. Can I put it on your plate? And you're a yes person. You're afraid of, you know, you're a people pleaser, and so you just say yes. Like, so you get hijacked priorities. And this is what has led to overwhelm, overcommitted, and overworked lives doing exactly what we thought we wanted to do with our lives. See, this is the great tragedy, is many of us, we've ended up resenting a life and career that we have carefully crafted. And it's, it's not fulfilling. And, and I would argue the reason it's not fulfilling is because we're not walking in the way of Jesus. We want the full life of Jesus, but we don't want the lifestyle of Jesus. And there's a miss there. And, and so we come up with all kinds of excuses. And what do we say? It's just a busy season, Right? This is just a busy season. I came across this post the other day that says, adulting is saying, but after this week, things will slow down a bit over and over until you die, right? (laughs) 
I'm like, isn't that true? Look, it's not just a season. It's your life. And it's a problem to be overwhelmed, overworked, overwhelmed, overbusy. See, and here's why it's a problem. The people who pay the biggest price for your overwhelm, for your stress, for your overcommitment, are the people that you care about the most. Your children, your best friends, your spouse, your roommates, people that God has put before you to disciple, they're getting your leftovers. And you're exhausted and you're burnt out. And they're missing out. They're paying the price. You guys, our community, like it's hurting right now. Like, Gresham has had a uniquely painful last month or so. What we've seen, what we've suffered, what we're going under. And if the church is called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, but we're stressed out, overworked, overwhelmed, disconnected, then we are not living our calling. And, and the city around us is missing out on the people of Jesus, living the way of Jesus, offering the fullness of Jesus. And so what I'm going to talk about, again, it may not seem spiritual, but it deeply is. This is why in the scriptures, over and over, we see these references, especially in wisdom literature, books like James and Proverbs, we see these references to how we use our time. And how we look at the time here on earth. Psalm 90, the psalmist says, teach me to number my days. Teach me to count the number of days that I have and the time that I'm allotted. Why? So that I may get a heart of wisdom. We have been entrusted with the resource of our time and our influence. And to live the way of Jesus is to live it wisely. And so the purposeful pace of Jesus is about living our lives around the way, our, and our lifestyle around the way of Jesus so that our life may be marked with the abundance that Jesus actually came to offer. I don't know about you, but I, I want that. I, I long for that. And so my, my hope is today would be a message that would actually change and shape the trajectory of your life and all the people around you and your own soul would deeply benefit from it. So if you have a Bible, open to Luke chapter 4. Uh, we're going to see this interaction that Jesus has. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles spread throughout. Um, or we're going to put the passage up on the screen so you can follow along. We're going to be reading from the ESV today. And uh, we're going to start in verse 40. But the context is Jesus has just begun, begun his ministry. And uh, he, he goes over to Peter, Peter's mother-in-law's house. And she's sick. And it says he heals her. And then immediately she like gets up and starts serving them, right? And, uh, and then all these people hear that there's this um, rumor of a Messiah and that he casts out demons and he heals the sick and he heals the blind. So what do they do? What do they naturally do? Anybody who's sick, they, a family member or a friend brings them to Jesus. This is what it says. Now when the sun was setting, so he's, he spent all day doing ministry, the sun is setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, brought them to Jesus. And he laid his hands on them, every one of them, and he healed them. And demons also came out from many. He's casting out demons that, that are oppressing these people and possessing these people. And these demons, they cry out, you are the son of God. 
But he rebuked them, and he would not allow them to speak because he knew that he was, because they knew that he was the Christ. Why, why would he do that? Because he knows his, he knows his time. He knows he's going to spend three and a half years in ministry. And as soon as these religious rulers of the day begin to hear that he is the son of God, they're going to crucify him. And so he's like, it's not my, not my time yet. So he silences their lips. 42, and when it was day, so this is uh, the next morning. So he's healing people all through the night. And then the next morning, day comes, and it says he departed and he went to a desolate place. And the people, they sought after him and they came to him. And then what did they do? And would have kept him from leaving them. They wanted to hijack his priorities, am I right? They said, no, no, look, we know you came here as the Messiah, but we have a wonderful plan for your life. Like, come be a part of what we're doing. Stay here, heal us. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. See, if we're going to live at a purposeful pace, we need to first identify our most impactful priorities. I, I, I love it. Jesus knows why he came. Why did Jesus come? One, he came to preach the good news. He's, he's here to preach the gospel, to declare the gospel. Two, to give us a glimpse of the kingdom. So this is why he's healing and casting out demons because he's giving us a glimpse of eternity where one day there will be no sickness. One day there will be no disconnection or evil and pain. So Jesus is giving a glimpse of the kingdom. He's giving a glimpse of eternity. And third, the third role on his job description is save the world, right? So that's what he's here to do. To preach the gospel, give us a glimpse of the kingdom, and save the world. And he refuses to allow his purpose to be hijacked by other people's agendas. He can actually say no because he has clarity around his most impactful priorities. Yes, he always made time for people, but here's a situation where they're asking him to stay and he says, no, no, I need to remind you why I'm here. See, this is why we, we need to identify our most imp impactful priorities. We should have clarity around what, I mean, what we're here to do. Otherwise, we just have unfocused time. We wake up, and we're like, okay, go to work. I come home. Like, I have dinner. I find what I'm going to watch on Netflix. I end up watching three seasons of it, and I go to bed, and then the alarm goes off. Rinse and repeat, right? And we wonder why we feel overwhelmed, why we feel purpose, purposeless. No, we should have clarity around what our priorities are. And so I actually, I, I have a threefold uh, lens in which I measure this through. I, I ask this question. I ask three questions uh, of everything that kind of gets put on my plate or everything before me. Um, and, and I, I want to know first, is this something that I am uniquely gifted to do? Like, like, not just are you good at it, but are you gifted at it? The, your gifting is your sweet spot. And one of the ways you can tell that is things are unique, it's uniquely easy for you and challenging for other people, and you're confused why it's so hard for them. It just comes naturally. You don't even actually think you're that good at it because it's so easy. You're like, well, anybody can, you know, anybody can plan, you know, this, this conference and this retreat, you know. Anybody could, you know, understand, uh, you know, a profit and loss statement, right? Like, no, we can't. Like, we just see the loss, right? Okay. You're uniquely 
you're uniquely gifted at it. How many of you guys have participated in Rise Academy? Okay, so Rise Academy is like a theology class that Nolan teaches here. And uh, I, when he first started it, I had been working with Nolan for about five years. I've seen him preach. I've seen him lead. I've seen him do all these kind of things. And I knew his, you know, I knew his level of gifting. And uh, I remember walking right behind the stage is something we have a collab, called a collab. And we have classes and stuff like that. And I remember walking into Rise Academy. That first week he was teaching. I was helping him get some stuff set up. And I sit down and he starts teaching. And I remember sitting back in my chair. And I actually looked at my wife and I said, oh, we found Nolan's unique gifting. He is incredible at teaching theology. He has this way of bringing precision and passion in a way that I've never seen. Things that are like typically boring and words that you can't typically say. Nolan can say them and then explain them in a way that connects both your mind and your heart. And I'm like, man, he is gifted at this. This is, and so it almost, you know, I ask him afterwards, he's like, oh, no, that was, that was easy. I'm like, no, no, that's not, right? Right? We're not like going on rotation. Okay, who gets to do theology this week? Like, no, 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 you are uniquely gifted. And so we need to find those areas that, hey, am I gifted at this? Because if you're not gifted, if you're just good, or if you're bad at it, then, then you're, you're probably wasting your energy and your time on it. Second, am I passionate about this? Do, do I, like, love doing this? Like, like it, this energizes me. It's invigorating. It's exciting to do this. Because there are going to be some weird things that you are passionate about that nobody else is passionate about, right? Like, okay, how, like how many of you guys, be honest, like, raise your hand, are, are like, I love spreadsheets. Like, I got, oh, yeah, loud and proud. Excel, yeah, high and proud. You know, typically introverts, but that's okay. Be proud. That's right. Yes, yeah. Mike raised both hands in the back, you know, Mike Tompkins. I was like, yep, there you go, right? You're, that's, that's not normal, just so you know, right? Okay, most of us, we can't find if there's an alternate tab on the spreadsheet. We don't even know what that means, right? And you're like, you're like mapping out 30 years of interest rates, and you're like watching YouTube videos on short codes, you know, shortcuts and codes, and the hair on the back of your arm stands up, you know? Like, okay, that's weird. That's a, but you're passionate, God has made you that way. And celebrate. I remember we were getting ready for our series in this season. And on, on Saturday nights, I come here and, uh, when I'm preaching. And I, I stand on the stage with my notes. And I like whisper and walk around and like do these weird hand gestures to myself. Okay, just confessions, right? And, 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 and nobody else is in the building. Kristen usually is like, okay, make sure the building's cleared out. Because I feel like really self-conscious about being that weird, okay? And, uh, but I have to talk through it. I want to I prepare. And I hear noise in the lobby. And I'm like, oh gosh, like what's going on in the lobby? So I walk off the stage and I go out in the lobby. And um, on a ladder against this wall is Jake Givens, who's our designer. And he's painting the In This Season logo on the wall. And it's 11 p.m. at night. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, he looks at me, and he has this big old smile, and he's like, I'm painting the logo. Isn't this awesome? And he's got like a 64-ounce coffee, you know? He's like, <laughs> I'm like, if that was me, like unholy, unrighteous words would be coming out of my mouth if I was forced to paint a wall at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh, man, like when you get done or you're going home, he's like, he's like, oh, no. 
He's like, after this, I'm getting started on our bumper video for, the, for before the sermon. You'll get it by 6 a.m., right? And he's just like, he's like excited about it. That's why I call him the vampire. Like whenever I text him, I text him a vampire emoji, right? He's passionate. It's like invigorating. It's some, it should be something that you, you like, what are the things that you lose tr- time doing? This is something, look, these things, I need you to see, these are gifts from the Lord. Like, it's important for you to recognize. You don't look at your, like, don't deny your gifting because you're trying to be humble. Because here's the thing, if you're like, oh, like, oh God made me really good at this or I'm really good at that, guess what? Here's the key. You didn't make yourself articulate. God made you that way. And so it's one of the ways you glorify God in recognizing and celebrating how, you, how he made you and that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that you should what? You should walk in them. And so when we look at our life, we have to start with what are most impactful priorities. And so this is the last thing, not just gifting, not just passion, but impact. Does this actually move the ball forward? Because you could have a lot of fun doing it and be really good at it, but it is not propelling your life forward. AKA video games, right? AKA waste of time. No, you have to identify your most impactful priorities. It should be joy-giving and life-giving to you. And don't, like, don't just think projects, think people. Who have you uniquely been called to impact and in what way? You know, it's interesting. As our church has grown and um, you start to get opportunities for platform or influence. Uh, you think about like, like for me, it's like, oh man, like what would it be like to speak at a conference or write a book? And, and I wrestle through those things. And you know what the conclusion I come to almost every time? There's a lot of really good leaders out there that can go speak at, speak at a conference or write a book. But only I can take my kids to the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like no one else can raise my kids for me. No one else can disciple and equip our church for me. This is what God has called me to. And so we have to be a people that we say, no, we're going to sacrifice platform and influence for presence every time. That's how you live with purpose. That's how you identify your most impactful priorities. And so then once you identify them, what do you do? Um, You build your calendar around your priorities. Now, it feels weird. It felt weird to me when I was writing this bullet point. It just feels weird having calendar, (laughs) the word calendar, in a spiritual sermon bullet point. Like, we think life. I was like, I I tried life. Like, build your life. It just was too ethereal. Like, no, I, I literally mean measure your time. Because your time is being hijacked, and you need to take it back. This is what Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. Look at this. He says, pay careful attention then how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That phrase, making the most of the of, you know, it's one word. It's the word redeem. It's the same word that's used of Jesus. Jesus redeemed us. And that word redeemed, it means to go and buy something back, to reclaim 
to say, no, 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 this has been taken away. I'm buying it back. Jesus redeemed us. Jesus bought us back. And Paul is using that same word to say, make, he says, go, you need to buy back your life. This day is evil. It will hijack your agenda. If, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. It's a strategy of the world and of the enemy. And Paul is saying, no. This life, this time we have, it's too precious. And when we are allowing all these other things to hijack our purpose and our calling, we are missing out in what God has for us. We allow the urgent to dictate our life rather than the important. You know why something is urgent, by the way? Um, typically, because somebody else forgot to do it. And so they're taking their failure or their laziness and making it your emergency. Like, I have a, I, I have a filter on my email that anything that says urgent in the subject line just gets deleted. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, your lack of planning or your laziness is not my emergency. Like, that is, like, that is, not, that is not how I'm going to operate. I'm going to build my life around my priorities, of my calling, of what God has called me to do. The more you guys learn about me, you're like, you, you guys are like, he's harsh. Yeah, just follow Jesus. Like, <laughs> listen to me, but follow Jesus. <laughs> but you need to take your life back and say, no, it's, it's time to redeem these things. And what happens is when we finally get to the most important people in our life and the most important responsibilities, like we're way too tired to engage deeply or we're at least less engaged than we really should be. And that's a problem. And so vocationally, your most important work usually suffers because you don't spend your best energy doing it. And relationally, your family and your closest friends and coworkers, staff, roommates rarely get the best of you. And I would argue that it's time to buy that time back and say, no, I'm going to actually set priorities. And so I, I saw this illustration a number of years ago, and it just stuck with me. And, and I, think it's, I think it's helpful for you to see, because I want it to stick with you as well. Um, it was a professor, and he took a mason jar and he just said, this represents your life. And th th there's a few things that we have in our lives. Um, one of them is our highest priorities. I, I, I use this phrase, big rocks, a lot. What are your big rocks? What are your most important things? And so for me in my life, I know what my big rocks are. My big rocks are my family, my church, and my friends. That gets priority over everything else. But then as we go through life, uh, what happens is we have all these different opportunities that, that come along. And they're a little bit smaller, but, they, but they're significant. And, and, and a lot of times they're actually good opportunities. And then we have um, what is our tasks. These are our daily responsibilities. Now, here's the problem. How we typically function when we start our day, we make a list and we make our what? Our to-do list, our task list. Okay, it's Saturday, I finally have a day off. What are all the things that I need to do? And so we start with all our tasks. And then um, we get a phone call, we get an email, and all these opportunities come along in our life. And what do we do with those? We fill them in. And so all these opportunities, we're like, that's a really good opportunity. And so I need to fill my life in with that opportunity. And then 
we get to the end of the week or the end of the day or the end of the month or the end of the year or hopefully not the end of our life. And we say, oh yeah, and uh, uh, there's these too, like our family and our church and our calling. Um, and so we're going to put, like, we're, we're going to put, we're going to get the, we'll get, don't worry, like we'll get these and these all, they, they have a, they have a, and what happens, our life is already filled with less important. I'm not saying they're not good things. I'm saying they're lesser things. And we no longer have the space. And here's what I would argue. What we have to do and what we need to do is we have to start with our big rocks first. We need to start with our purpose and calling and meaning. And that's where we begin. And then, as opportunities come along, yeah, you can fill them in. And that's great. And, and, but they need to fill around and fill in around the things that are already there and the places, the priorities in our life. And then we make room for the mediocre and the meaningful tasks. See, you know what I have in here? There's all this space now. There is margin. There is place for all these things to go. Now, this is, I want this to be a picture for your life. Stop starting your calendar, your schedule, with all the small little meaningless tasks. We have all kinds, of, well, it only takes five minutes, right? It's just a couple minutes to do, so just do it. Start with the most meaningful things in your life, because here's what I need you to understand and to see. Nobody is going to show up and remind you that you need to be doing your highest priorities. So you need to block them out, and you need to calendar them calendar them first. Look, nobody is going to schedule time for you to go on a date night with your daughter. And you're going to find yourself and she's 18, 19, 20 moving out of the house and you're going to be like, man, I wish I spent more time intentionally pouring into her, showing her what it means to be loved. Nobody's going to schedule time for you to stop and plan and think about the future. You need to set apart that time. Like for me, like one of my primary responsibilities here at Rise, like I love preaching. And all these, all these things would come up. Meetings and things, uh, uh, um, discussions, tasks, they would just come up all during the week. And then what would happen is my, one of my most important priorities to preach God's word would get my leftovers. And it was a problem. So you know what I start my week with? I, I block out when I'm preparing to, to sit down and spend time with God. Like, my Fridays and Saturdays are blocked. Like, I have the most boring weekends. <laughs> People are like, hey, do you want to go out on Friday night? I'm like, you have fun. I will be preparing a sermon. Like, that, that's what, that, but that's a priority in my life. And it's a unique gifting I have. And a, I, I get a unique joy in it. It's a passion of mine. And, it's, and it makes an impact. See, we need to flip this upside down. And we need to start. I love looking at Christ here. He reminds them, hey, no, this is my calling. And then he walks as they try to hijack that. He says, no, this is where I start. This is what it looks like. See, and lastly, what we need to do in order to actually live these things out is we need to purposely plan margin into life. What is margin? 
Margin is evenings of the week where you have nothing planned. Margin is a, what Nolan preached about last week. Margin is a day off of rest to just sit and be present. Margin is moments even during your day where you're like, no, no, no I'm, I'm not going to fill every lunch appointment. I'm not going to fill every evening. And, and here's why margin is so important, okay? One, uh, you need rest. And if you're go, 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 and you're constantly at capacity, you're not resting. And so you're not decompressing and relaxing. Jesus constantly was resting. He was getting away to lonely, desolate places. Second, um, margin, it gives you space to think and to plan and to just be. Like so often we are working in things and not working on them. We're so consumed working in our business or in our life that we're not stepping back to work on them. And so margin allows for that. But one of the unique things that margin allows, it allows you to say yes to unforeseen opportunities. You ever try to schedule uh, like a hangout with somebody and they're like, sweet, um, and they pull their, open their calendar to six months from now, right? I'm like, you, like, you have a problem, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you have no margin and you have no space for opportunities as they come along. L- look at this again. I want you to just see this passage again. In verse Luke 4, 42, it says, When it was day, he, Jesus, departed. And what did he do? He went to a desolate place. All of these people are demanding his time, and he creates margin. He says, no, I'm going to get away to rest and to pray and to seek the Father and what is next in my life. And the people sought him, and they came to him and would have kept him from leaving. That's what they wanted to do. But Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So these people come along with amazing opportunities for Jesus. Man, you can keep healing. You can keep driving out the sick. Jesus, we we want you to serve on the school board. It'd be amazing, right? You can teach them how to walk on water, like... You know, the wine thing's a little young, but, you know, like most of your miracles would be age-appropriate, right? They have these amazing opportunities for Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? Says no. I think this is probably a very holy, righteous, spiritual word for you to learn in your life. Uh, Let's practice. Okay, everybody say no. No. That was a little harsh. Be a little kinder. (laughs) As your pastor, can I give you permission to say no to lesser opportunities that come into your life? The only way that we're going to actually be able to live our calling and our priority and, and to slow down and spend time with Jesus and grow deeper with Jesus and have deep connections with our family and with our deepest friends is if we learn and we master the art of saying no. We need to be equipped to say no to lesser things and not just add more and more to our plate. So I, I want to empower you with, with three kind of rules that I think are going to help you to say no, right? Uh, first one is, like, don't get caught off guard. And, and here's what I mean. You ever had this happen? Hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Okay, that is the worst question in the history of humanity. Because you're like, like n- nothing, but if you're asking me to help you move, 
then I'm busy. I have a prayer meeting, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, don't get caught up. Like, first of all, don't ask people that. Like, just like, present the opportunity. But don't get caught off guard. And what I mean by don't get caught off guard is I almost never say yes in the moment. I almost never say yes in the moment. Because, like, my emotions, I'm like, I'm like a feeler, and I, like, really love people. And so they ask me to do something, and I always want to say yes. I'm like, because I care about you. I want you to know I care about you. I want to spend time with you. But I have to stop and step back and evaluate, like, my priorities and evaluate my week and, and my time with my family. And if I say yes to everything, but, but, but I get no time with my kids... Then, then I'm not actually living my priorities. So I just want to encourage you. Like, please don't pull your calendar out in the moment. Like, oh, am I free? Like, like say, just say, like, I would love, like, let me, let me pray about it. Let me think about it and get back to you. You don't have to, like, over-spiritualize it, right? But, like, hey, l- let me get back to you. And, and I'll respond and, and, and do time. But, but don't get caught off guard in the moment. Actually step back and process. Talk about it with your spouse. Think about it. Talk about it with the Lord. Second, uh, free yourself this one stings. Free yourself from the expectations of others. Yeah, that's for all you people pleasers out there. I'm going to attach a Bible verse to it too. Double, double sting. You ready for this? All right. <laughs> Paul is teaching this young pastor, Timothy, what it means to be a leader and a pastor in the church. And he reminds him, he says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Can I just remind you, your calling in life is not to make other people happy. It's to faithfully serve the Lord and walk in your calling. And so uh, I just want to free you. You can say no. And I want to free you from that burden of, of the expectations of others. And, and even then, in that, honestly, like, when you say no, like, you have no obligation to tell them why it's a no. It's okay to just say, oh, that's not going to work. You don't have to be like, well, my Aunt Nancy, <laughs> right? Like, no, like, as soon as you get into that level of detail, like, that's not needed. It's okay to just say no. Because, actually, sometimes your explanations are hurtful. Because what you're saying is, oh, here's some other things that are more important than you. And so, you, you, I just want to free you of that obligation. And third... Third rule to empower you to say no is be kind, but be clear. Like don't, like, like a soft yes is not helpful. Like thank them. Like, like, like genuinely, like if you have to say no, thank them. Because they, like think about it, they thought of you. They wanted you to help them move or whatever, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> they wanted you to come to that party. They wanted you to sit down and meet they wanted you uh, to plan that event. They wanted you to lead that team. What, uh, thank them. But, but be cl- if, it's not, if it's a no for you, be clear about it. Like maybe, all maybe does is set them up for disappointment and add to your anxiety. So just be clear about it. It's one of the most loving things that you can do in that moment. But, but do not forget why you're saying no. You are saying no to some opportunities, not all, some opportunities so that you can say yes to purposeful priorities. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to in abundance. A fullness of quantity and a fullness of quality. 
And this is why James writes, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We need to count the days that we have and the moments that we have, and we need to make the most out of them. Make the most out of every opportunity because this life, it's a vapor. And so we need to live with precision and pri prioritization and purpose. And we need to recognize the brevity of life and re respond with prioritized living. On Saturday of last week, um, I got asked to, to preach at a funeral that we had here at Rice. Uh, part of the reason I was able to say yes is because I had margin in my week. And so when the opportunity came along and they asked me to come preach the gospel to a room filled with people who are not connected to our church, I said, you better believe I will do that. And it was an incredible opportunity. It was, an it was a joy. But one of the things that was a unique joy for me that day um, was actually sitting and listening to the eulogy of this woman who passed. The room was filled so much so that the barn doors were open on each side. And uh, I was sitting in the very back against the wall. There was like a, like a couch towards our vestibule. And I could like barely see over all these heads. And I'm listening to this eulogy. And there was something about being way back there that I felt like I was just like an outsider listening in. And so I had this moment where I kind of like imagined like listening in on my own funeral. I was like, man, what would this be like? Like, what would people say? And, and so I started to like even process, not just what would people say, but what would I want people to say? Like, what would I want them to talk about? And, and you know what? I had no interest in that moment in people talking about um, the size of our church. No, I, I, that, no that, was, that would not be a priority for me. Um, how efficient I was at responding to emails right away. Not a priority. Or how accomplished I was. I would, I would have zero interest in people listing off accomplishments. But I began to think about, like, what, what would I want my kids to say about me? And I thought, man, like, I, I would love for my kids to say that I was a present father. I would love for my friends to, to be able to stand up and speak about how loyal I was, how I only added joy to their life and I didn't take it away. I thought about our church and how I would love for our church to talk about how faithfully I preached Christ week after week and led to a better future. And the only way I can live in those things is that I know my calling and I schedule and I build all my life around it. Jesus came that we would have life and life to the full. And we are overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overworked, and it's time to be done. Redeem the time, Paul says. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus, would you do this work in us? Would we recognize this is not something we're trying to earn, some kind of approval we're trying to earn, but this is, this is something you've set us free of, that we can walk in freeness of you. And so, Lord, would you give us clarity around our calling and our purpose in this life? Would you speak to our passions 
And would you fill us with a spirit in the way that we could be disciplined enough to live with precision and purpose and clarity in all things in life. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.